All right, views before the six. Another episode. Another episode, man. And this, yo, this episode, a guy, honest to God, who I listen to every Saturday. Yo, this is a true story. I used to work on my uncle's Subway subs <laughs> every Saturday afternoon. And you would turn come into that Subway subs, yeah. and the Power Move show would be on, man. Crazy. You know what I mean? Straight up. So, yo, we got DJX. <laughs> Salute. Salute. You guys, I mean, have your own oh. history. We'll get it. You know what I mean? Like... You guys have known each other for how long would you say now? It's gotta be a crazy 30 years. 30 plus. 30 years, years man. Yeah. It's crazy, crazy. All right, yo, first question we ask everybody Were you born in Toronto? I was born in Vancouver. Vancouver, okay, yeah. So, what's your background? So, my dad's originally from St. Lucia. Okay. And my mom's Canadian. Um, yeah, that's, okay. that's pretty much it. How did you get into DJing? Um, I guess it kind of like it was a natural progression. Um, I, I lived in Bermuda for a time um, from like age seven to like say 13 around there. Okay. And um, I came back and I, I guess I was always kind of interested in music in that time um, or aware of it, let's say. Okay. And um, I, I came back and I had lunch with my mom. So at the time my mom worked at Old City Hall as a court clerk. Okay. And um, she had lunch with this other woman that worked there who had a son named Peter, Peter Cock. Cock was his last name, okay. K-O-K. Okay. <laughs> An Asian guy. And um, so we had lunch and he came to the lunch and he had just gone to Carnival and bought a copy of um, It's Yours by Tila Rock. Okay, Carnival Records. Yeah. And um, he was like, he gave it to me. Like, and I don't even know why. <laughs> he just gave me the record at, at lunch. And I went home and listened to it, and it kind of, it kind of blew my mind. Okay. Um, and from there, then I started to kind of buy. How old are you this time? Kind of buy music. So I'm literally like 14 years old. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 13, 14. And um, so I started to, I started to buy records, um, and there were records kind of in my environment too, um, and so I'd be listening to those. Um, and so then I had a party one day, and um, I. I basically got in trouble because I had this party, I had a bunch of friends over and stuff like that, but I wasn't paying attention to them. I was sitting in front of the stereo playing music and okay. just like switching out the records. It wasn't like I had turntable, like two turntables or anything like that, but I would just sit there and like switch the music. I don't even know what my friends were doing. <laughs> Anyways, my mom got mad at me when it was all said and done. Um, and I think like, I guess I was trying to play this party. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know right, right, right. Like that's like my earliest memory of, of actually like, being in an environment where there's people there and I'm playing music for them. But I think it was kind of half, I was playing music for them, but I was also just so caught up in like music and just like cool. what was about to happen in my life that like, that's what I was doing and that's... So then like, when did you get turntables? So then, um, yeah, so then I just got some shitty turntables and I don't even remember where those came from, to okay. be honest with you, and like a shitty mixer, like, I guess like, they were two different turntables too. Like one was like one model, one was the other. Okay, they were okay, belt drive, okay. which is like the first big mistake that people would make back in that day because you can't use belt drive turntables because the belts fucking slip and they stretch yeah. and it gets all fucked up. And um, so, um, yeah, so I got those and a mixer. And um, then basically I negotiated with my grandfather to um, buy me 1200s. 
Okay. And, and, a GLI, <laughs> and a GLI mixer, which was like the Big Rolls Royce of mixers back then. Right, right, right. So how'd you, how'd, you, how'd you convince him? Um, well, I didn't. It didn't take much convincing because my grandfather like completely doted on me and just basically okay. it was like you know whatever Adrian wants is what Adrian's gonna get. So it was um, it was really easy. But I, I I basically said, look, I'll sell this, this, and that. You know what I mean? And like over time, and I'll, I'll pay you back, and which I never did. <laughs> and I got the turntables, and that's when it became really serious because now I actually had the professional gear that you know okay. where I could actually fun- I mean, function properly, like as a DJ. So what did you do? Like start playing school dances, that kind of shit first, like yeah, that yeah? kind of yeah. Well, it, yeah, I mean that. I think that came a little bit later because you have to build up a record collection, so it took some time to kind of put that together. Okay. Um, and and I was very kind of like pigeonholed back then too. Like I think I was only buying a certain kind of music. So if you were doing a school dance, you kind of had to broaden your horizons a bit because right, the right. kids were were like that. Um, and so <clears throat> back then it was more about scratching and like tricks and stuff like that. So that's pretty much what I was into, and and that's just did that lines. like all day long and all day night, like all night, and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. DJ yeah. Ecstasy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? in the basement yeah. for hours, man. Yeah, yeah. Hours, hours and hours. I mean, seven hours of scratching. Yeah, daily. Like okay, work so that, every like, dude, for like years, dude. Yeah, that's almost true. seven hours, dude. I'm not exaggerating. Seven hours, dude. Straight. Do so you guys know <laughs> each other? You guys know each other by this point? We Absolutely. knew each other since grade seven. Yeah, since we got into hip. We got into hip hop together, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, man. Same moment, same basement, same. Yeah. Record store. I was there when he got the twelve hundreds in the big. I was like, yeah, we know each other. I mean, yeah, because at the same time, there's school, right? So it's like schools where you're mixing with certain kids. And when I think back to like, you know, kind of how like socially I mixed with you know certain people and stuff like that. It it, in a lot of ways it all revolved around school. Okay. Um, Even going out to jams, you didn't really mix with other kids until later on, like until you got deep into the scene. So are you going to jams at these times? Are you going like, are you going to powerhouse jams? Are you going to... Um, Well, the first jam I went to was in Regent Park. um, Okay. And I can't remember the name of the club offhand right now, but I went to see see Houdini. um, And I guess I found out about it by listening to Ron's show. um, And my, my mother's like cousin took me. Okay. And so I went with like, yeah, this dude. It was just, it was so weird. <laughs> the weird thing it was is, like, we were like, Park, like when we met each other. We were, that's what we, I think we got along. We both were like in grade seven. We were going to hip hop shows. Like, right. So like, like when it was fourteen, fifteen, like the way our parents and the way our structure was, and then a certain link, and then your mom. I remember your mom ended up working with Ron for that Trainer concert. So we kind of got a link to the early shit with Ron. But we were just helping him do promo too, so we got into sh- like really young, like so. That's what X was like. Yeah, that's another part yeah. of it. I'll never forget that. So that's I guess like how did you meet Ron? Good question. I was just about to kind of answer that. Um, so basically, um, my mom was going out with this guy who had a daughter, and the daughter was dating a a guy who would finance Ron's concerts, okay, and dances, okay, um, and he was like, I mean, I. This guy was super pimped out. Like he was yeah, just like yeah. I don't even I don't even know. I don't want to like put him out there. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Don McLean and like yeah, he just like had it going on, and he, I guess he was like financing some of Ron's stuff, and um, he saw this happening to me. You know what I mean? Like he saw me like 
getting taking the interest. getting into this. Yeah, and he was like, you know what, you should you should be Ron's partner. You know what I mean? So he he's like, I'm going to take you to the radio station and introduce you to Ron. And um, so he he. This is Fantastic Voyage time, yeah, right? Yeah. Like this is like eighty five, eighty six. Okay. And um, he took me to the radio station to meet Ron and told Ron like, "Yo, you need to make this guy your partner." And Ron was laughing like, "Whatever, man." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to do my show right now. Like, just you know. Okay. Whatever, whatever. You know. So, anyways, I hung around the show and. Um, I guess like Ron needed help doing what he was doing back then. Like he was a, a big promoter, and back then there wasn't social media and stuff like that. It was all flyers, and right. you know, yeah, he had the radio, which which didn't hurt, but um, he just didn't take that for granted. So he was doing flyers and postering and stuff like that, and he needed help. And so what had happened was I basically started to help him promote like I would go hand out flyers outside the Eaton Center for him or I would go he used to do these runs these poster runs so he would <laughs> he would in his car in this gold Tercel with a crazy sound system by the way okay um he would do these runs like a cr- like from uh like let's say Markham and Finch all the way over to like Kipling and 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 Finch okay and he would he would what he would do is he'd get four people in the car, and he'd drop two at like um, Markham and Finch, and then he'd drive to the next block and drop the next two, and then go back and get the first two, and then take them to the following block, and then go back okay, and get I the other it. two, and then do that all the way across the city, and like he'd do it across like Finch and like Steeles and Shepherd, like all those like kind of areas, Major. and so like I did all that stuff. And handing out flyers. Like early street teaming, right? Yeah. Well, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Handing out flyers outside dances, handing out flyers, like, uh, outside uh, the movies, which on Tuesdays back then was, like, 2.50 Tuesdays, and, like, so we'd hand out flyers there, and, like, Eaton Center, like, uh, dances, anywhere we basically could. Okay. And so that's kind of how I got Are you doing this, too? Yes. So, and that's, that's why when it came to street team, I was saying, by the time I got to Virgin, and then Quam came out, and then the street promo, we already had that blueprint. That blueprint's all from Ron. We had that window since we were 15. Right, right. So when it came to, pro- oh, we just got to put records with this now. So I was like, just put it with records. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. And so, it kills it. Um, all the, like, meanwhile, I'm learning to DJ. And like Thrust said, I was practicing like seven, eight hours a day. And like, okay. so slowly I'm becoming like one of the best DJs in the country. And then I started competing in competitions. Okay. Um, and so now I have a rep- reputation, and and Ron's like, you know, um, well, forget Ron for now. What had happened was Mastermind started to recognize, and at the time he was on CHRY doing a show. Okay. And um, one hundred five point five. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So Paul was a DJ, but not the greatest DJ, and he needed somebody who could be great, and so he was like, "Come and DJ on my show." And so I um, started to DJ with them, but like our egos clashed and shit. Okay. <laughs> and eventually he was like, I can't fucking do this show with you anymore. And um, so that day that, that he basically said that, um, I called Ron because I was friends with him. And I'm like, Ron, this guy fucking doesn't want me to do the show. What am I going to do? I'm like crying, like tears streaming down my face because, like, you know, you're 15 years old and you're fucking losing your radio show. And, like, right, right. like it, it was like my whole entire world, you know what I mean? 
So Ron was like, fuck that guy, man. Come and do my show with me. So now I went from being on, like, C- like CSRY to being, on, to being on the fucking show. Like, yeah. right. Because back then it was Fantastic Voyage program and, and really, like, yeah, Paul was on the air, but there was really nothing else. Like, Ron had the fucking show. You know you have to talk about what happened. <clears throat> you can't just, just skip over it. What do you mean? <laughs> when you left the show, what happened? Like, that little battle. Like, it's all peace and love oh, now. Yeah, I mean, think that was... Yeah, there was, was a, like there was on war, like on radio, like yeah, yeah. So yeah, it turned into this big thing, like, like between like the two stations, like and Ron and Mastermind battling, and I guess I got kind of sucked into that. But to be honest with you, I didn't even give a fuck about that. That was more a Ron and Mastermind thing. Okay, um, so they started to diss each other, and they had like this thing called like it was like a radio war. But at the end of the day, like CHRY really had no signal. Um, yeah, I know. was the big dog, like, oh, and man. you know, so it was fun. Like that, that, that was fun. But like, to be honest with you, I, I really didn't even care about that. Like, I just kind of got sucked into it. Ron, Ron's like, Ron's like a, a, a little shit starter. Like, if you know him, you know, okay, like, he okay. likes to, he likes to fuck. Ron was like Mister Magic. You know, New York and Mister Magic was. Ron had that thing. Like, he would stir stuff up, and he would ask you that question, like that yeah, Charlemagne, so he got like a Charlemagne, it. like. Like, way worse would, like, though. Oh, way but way, worse. like, way more yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So, like, when stuff would happen like that. And, so, and so, so then you have that dynamic, and then you have Mastermind, who's, like, extremely smart and intelligent and, and, and very, like, like, I don't know anybody that's as on top of their game as, as Paul. Okay. Like, especially back then. Like, it was ridiculous. So you have like this dynamic of somebody who wants to like start a fire with somebody who's like, <laughs> like, like who's, who's like a fucking ninja. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, that was like a crazy dynamic where those two were going at each other on the radio, and it was it was it was dope. It was good radio though. Yeah, it was good radio. And so that's obviously how you joined Fantastic. Yeah. So Voyage, then I right? yeah. So then I joined Fantastic Voyage program, and um, yeah. So that's how the whole that's how I met Ron, and that's how the whole Ron thing came together. Who's the first Toronto rapper you remember? Mishy. Mishy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know what? I probably knew ones before them, but she was the first one that really stood out to me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There were there were others like you know Rumble, Rumble. Like I, I definitely remember Rumble, um, and there there are others too. I can't believe you didn't mention your boy, man. Who? Well, he's gonna, he's gonna be mad. But at that's you. even that's even after like well, yeah, K Force, but Shines like Shines, Shines, yeah, yeah. definitely K Force, but like Mishy stood out, man. Mm-hmm. Right, like back then. It's funny because people always say like you know Maestro is the Godfather of Toronto, but it could be said that she really and truly is. You know, what she I mean? was the one when you went to New York. I'm not putting it out there. You heard on the radio three times an hour. I, I heard I have tapes of ass DR. You cannot certain people. Nobody had it in New York like Michi. Michi was prime time, like how Drake is like prime time now. Like how you heard Drake when we went to New York, you heard Michi the same way. Okay, so yo, Look, let me say so something. She, she was the queen. Like this Michi. I'm gonna put something out. It was there right crazy, now. man. All right, it's the truth. Just the truth. I don't take anything away from Maestro. Oh no, um, I think like he's definitely you know the godfather of hip hop. Like you know with respect to being an MC and stuff like that, but. If you want to compare the two and look at the two, Mishy was that was cool. It was it was cool to be into Mishy. Like New York DJs were rinsing Mishy. Like they were cutting up her song for like ten minutes long. Right. Let your backbone slide. As good as it was, in a lot of ways, wasn't cool. Like people weren't calling. Like 
It wasn't in rotation. In, in yeah, like even like when I when I was doing the show, like Maestro, a lot of people weren't calling the show for Maestro. Let's just put it that way. Let your backbone slide was more of a commercial hit than right. than like uh like an underground classic. Right. So, but back then the music was underground. But if it wasn't underground, like if it was today, it would have been a, a, a pop record. Okay. Yeah, in, I get what you're in, in my opinion. Okay. So that's people may like trip on me for saying that, but you know, I, like it's just being though. at the radio station, like I have a, an angle on that that people just don't have. Right. And I can tell you, like when Ron was there and he was dropping like the the cassette tape of "Let Your Backbone Slide," it was blowing the fuck up, and people were calling the radio station, and so on and so forth. But as things progressed and Ron left and we, we took over and started doing the show and stuff like that, people weren't really into Maestro like that. Right. But, right. but Mishy had it like that. Mm-hmm. You, so know, you understand? So yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and even when you look at New York City, because New York City was the nucleus of all that shit back then. I don't care what anybody says. It was all about New York. And those dudes would sit on the radio and they would play Mishy. They would rinse Mishy. Rinse her like crazy, like Red Alert, like play, like like whole stations were playing, yeah, 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 like with spots, drops. crazy shit. And she was down there yeah. in New York mixing with everybody. They loved her, like they accepted her. That's and, cool. And I don't know what that means, but like that's that's why Mishy left an impression. Um, mm-hmm. Like KRS One was working with Mishy, like yeah, like yeah. like that, like you know what I mean? Like come on, man! Like yeah, it's all there, like that. She was cool back then, and 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 it, it wasn't like that with Maestro. Okay, yo, what do you remember? Because like with that, I know she was part of To vs NY, wasn't she one of them? Um, I think you know, and and like some of this is like gray, like some of it I don't remember. Um, what do you remember about T.O. vs. M.I.? But who the hell battled Roxanne Shante? Wasn't it Mishy? No, it was somebody else. It was like Pebbly, Fly K? Pebbly Poo and Fly K or something like that. Yeah. Mishy, um, <clears throat> hold on. Mishy wasn't in the battle. It was Force, no, it was T.O. Vice, which was Force and Rumble. I remember that. I remember Divide. Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't, remember I don't think either. so, man. I don't remember that. I don't think she was in the battle. You, we got to ask Mishy, but I don't think Mishy was yeah, in the battle. Yeah, we'll, like we'll ask her. We'll ask her. Yeah, but she was on, the thing about Mishy was on so many bills and involved with so many things around that time. It was almost like a mirage. Mishy was it. Like, Mishy, like a lot of people don't know. <laughs> she, right, yo, what, she was a draw. She was just a draw, so she was always on major events. What, what can you tell me about the Metro mix off? I don't even remember that. No? No. Not at all. You're gonna have to tell me and jog my memory. No, I'm just because you were saying you were in a lot of competitions and stuff like that. Right? But to me, the DMCs that was what was that's what I was into. That was the competition to be. Okay, in. so yeah. who who else from up here would have been in those competitions with you? Um, Jam on Strong, DJ Power, um, and the rest of them I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you were the clear winner every time, or no? I actually um, Jam on Strong used to beat me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it would be me. It'd be Jam on Strong, then then me, and then Power would always be third. And it was kind of fucked up because I kept getting better and better. And Jam on Strong just one day quit, just fucking said, That's "I'm it. done with this. I'm never doing it again." And I, I was always pissed about that because I was getting imbe- like it was only a matter of time before he fucking got <laughs> and he fucking quit. And, and I don't know whether he quit because of me or because he hated it, but he fucking quit. And so I never got that chance and it pissed me off. 
But I came second in um, the DMC Canada competition basically okay. to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Dope. Yeah. So, and, and, and you had to go through like the preliminaries, so you had to do like your territory and then you, had, you moved on to like, you know, the, the national competition or whatever, which was in this big club. You were there that night. This big club in fucking, I don't know where it was, like Kitchener or something like that. Yeah, like a massive, right. massive, massive club, man. Massive club, man. That's the most it's crazy. Clubs it's fucking crazy. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I have pictures from that too. Like sick, crazy. Because I was, I, I used like an, an ironing board and fucking, I was climbing on motherfuckers' shoulders and you like, like all kinds of cr- too? yeah. Like, no, that was jam on strong. Use the tricycle, like just weird and crazy, crazy shit, like, man. Kind of yeah, just weird. You guys shit. have like footage of all that shit from back in the day? Hell no, no. I have pictures of that night. Yeah, so, um, yeah. But yeah, the DMCs were, that was like the competition to be in. I don't even remember the Metro no. stuff, to be honest with you. Okay, so when do you guys shift from Fantastic Voyage to Power Move Show? So, one day Ron was like, I'm out. And Just like that? Yeah, and he left because, to be quite honest with you, like, and you can ask him this, he'll, he'll probably confirm this. I, pu- I basically pushed him out. Like, I was so heavy at the time that my light just fucking I just fucking eclipsed him and he was like I'm done. I can't do this anymore so like, you gotta fucking take music. this and run with it cause you're a beast he told me that and then he just bounced and started to do the reggae show reggae mania yeah. Yeah. yeah and then he was like you gotta fucking name the show you gotta create your own legacy and so oh, you, oh so you, you didn't want yeah I, didn't, I hadn't even changed the name at first oh you were running with Fantastic Warrior yeah. oh, was your own. he's like you, you, you need to change the name and you gotta fucking you gotta it's do your own shit and like, I remember the first show I ever did because I went from just DJing for him and he was the host to him leaving and me now having to host and I never wanted to host so the right. first the first day I didn't like the show was three hours long I didn't talk for two hours because I was scared I didn't want to talk on the radio I just, I just, I'm a DJ, man. I'm still a DJ. I don't is, is that how you came in? That's sort of. We were I always around each other. Just were you the first it. host? Co-host. I was well, like, like he, he, yeah, I mean, yeah. he was always there because we, we were there. best friends. Like, you know, right. like, you know, and that was the thing. I always like wanted, like you always want your boys with you. Like you want your of friends. Of course, with of you, course. Right? So anything I was doing, like everybody was, I just wanted people with me. Okay, so yo, <clears throat> who were all of the members of the Power Move show? It was you two. I mean, scam. over time there were so many. Like, right. You know, so like alumni, there's like an alumni. Yeah, yeah there's like, there's tons, man. Like yeah, like thrust. DRK. DRK at one point. Um, Mastermind, Mastermind, that's a crazy story. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about yeah, it. I don't know if Paul wants me to talk about that, but but he so, did come. Anyways, to look, basically, so if you go back now, right? Paul and I like, you know, egoed each other out. I had to leave his show. I go to Ron's show now. They have this radio war. You ego out, <laughs> and and like you know, so then I guess at some point we we made up. And um, everything was cool, but these radio stations used to have record libraries. And right. after being a DJ and like being into hip hop, now we would get into production. So we want to make records. And um, they these libraries had amazing jazz and funk collections and stuff like that. So we'd be taking records out of the library, and he got caught at CHRI. He got caught oh, stealing records, okay. and he got fired. Okay, okay. And I felt bad because I'm like, this guy's amazing. Like, he mm-hmm. has to be on the radio. 
and so I was like, Paul, you need to come, you need to come to the power move and do, and, and do like whatever you want to do, basically. He's like, okay, I want to do an hour, like, so he basically got like, you know, he just came to my show and fucking did his thing until he, behind my back, fucking filmed himself and made a demo for Energy 108 and then went to Energy. Right, <clears throat> okay. Yeah, there's always been this weird like <laughs> dynamic competition. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, if we're not fighting, like he's doing something behind my back, or fucking, you know, it's just like ego clashes, which is so funny because we're actually we actually work together now, which is which is weird. So it'll be funny to see if that dynamic still exists, and like a year from now, I'm, I'm like, yo, fuck, fucking <laughs> Paul, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh man! Uh, but, okay, so so mastermind at one point there was a girl named Sarah Bartok who went to school with us. She went to North. Okay. She went to Northern. She's now like a, a radio announcer. She's been like across the country, and she works at um, 93.5 now. Um, Mishy at one point, right? Um, Gem. Gemini, yeah. Um, who I like basically started her in radio, right? Um, she just appeared one day and was like, can I do this? I'm like, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> oh, fucking Russell Peters. No, that he was on, he was on Mastermind Show. Oh, that was Mastermind Show. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, and, yeah. but Russell used to hang around my show all the time. Okay. All the time. All right, the time. Right, Cracking right. fucking jokes, like to the point where you'd be like, you know what, man? Stop. Like, See. you're not even funny right now. Like, right, just right, chill. Right. Now look at him. You know what I mean? But he was that guy. Like he, like it's funny when you see these people like become really, really successful because he was that guy that would be telling you jokes sometimes, even when you didn't want to hear them. Mm -hmm. But that he was all about that. Like that's just like he was joking all the time. Right, right. <laughs> like that's his personality. You know what I mean? So it's funny. Um, and there's more that I'm probably forgetting. Mishy. Yeah, Mishy, 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 Blinky, Blinky D, which mm -hmm. is oh, now yeah. Daryl Alize Murray. Okay. Um, Man, and no there's a couple other ones that I like. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Did there's we mention more. Cyclone? We did, right? Cyclone was Dizzy no. back then? No, 457. 457. Four, Nonstop! Right. He made all the IVs and stuff. Um, <coughs> more people, man. Yeah, I don't want to forget anybody in the big alumni, man. Look like an idiot, but yeah, I was always into like just giving people a chance to do their thing man. I mean yeah let's talk about eat the beat yeah like eat the beat man it was for people that don't know eat the beat was like a call up freestyle yeah I shit, mean, right? it was like, fun man like <clears throat> it um it's how you met Bishop right yeah well I knew Bishop before that oh okay okay yeah. okay um but um yeah, I mean, you know, you have a radio show, you want to do different things with it, right? Is there, is there any Eat the Beat that, like, you think of Eat the Beat, boom, what's the one that pops into your head? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know if it's the one, but there's characters that pop into my head. Okay. Obviously, it's Bishop and then Shirley Dynamo, who had Dynamo. this, like, crazy rivalry, right? Right, right, right. Um, and, you know, Bishop, I basically took that. And so that that's what I remember <laughs> about it. Um, but, you know, there were other spinoff like um concepts Characters. from eat the beat too like i remember there was one um where it was like a beat battle or some shit like that and and um nefarious 
I, I battled him on the radio and he fucking beat me and I remember being so twisted about that like <laughs> I mean, like just oh, fuck man. I can't believe this guy beat me on my own show like and, and he really was the type of guy that would rub it in yeah like, like he you know, just like he really got under my crazy. skin but yeah there were like there were other like kind of spin-off concepts that like came as a result of Eat the Beat um but it was just a matter of wanting to do stuff with, with your show and, and, and being able to do it. Like, you couldn't do anything like that anywhere else. Like, you couldn't do that on commercial radio. Like, yo, we were talking about it the other day, man. Frankie Payne, Juggernaut. Yeah. Calling from jail when he was on the range yeah. for yeah. Eat the Beat. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Like, that's wow. crazy, crazy, right? right? It's crazy. It's you crazy. had to touch it, man. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And just putting people live on the radio, like, not even knowing what they're going to say. You know what I mean? Like, they right. just say crazy stuff. Yeah. And we used to take the heat for that. You know CRTC, I mean? like, yeah. Well, not even the CRTC, yeah, but just the station management. Like, the station management would be the ones dealing with the CRTC, but it's not even the CRTC that you got to worry about. It's the it's the listeners out there. Like, you know, this young kid is at home listening, and his mom's, like, listening in the background, and his mom's hearing swearing and all this weird shit on the radio. Like, right, and, right. and then she gets pissed, and she's a lawyer, and now she's, like, sending letters to the radio station threatening to take them down and the, and then the station manager to having to deal with that and then we're getting reprimanded and fucking all this bullshit's going on in the background that people don't know about and it's just trickling down and like it's it's a big fucking mess you know what I'm saying what? there's all this politics behind the scenes that people don't know about oh of course man. you know I get off the air and I'm getting sat down in an office like on Monday like, well you the know. thing is people think college radio but the listenership of that show like the time was an off the charts guy. Yeah. Like most listened to probably in that time slot yeah. frame. It was. Anywhere. Like but I mean, Saturday was just hip hop day though. But the amount of people, like, dude, it was crazy. So it's like, so when one of you guys, Mastermind, and then Power Move, and everything, you know, so. Mm -hmm. So once those slip ups happen, they're like big slip ups. It was a little like, oh, it's a little. Yeah. <laughs> the meetings. The meetings. The what meetings. like what um, fuck, what records from Toronto would you say you broke from the show? How about everything? Everything. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, or I helped. Uh, right, because you were the DJ to go to, right? I mean, where else were they gonna go? They could go. They could go to other places, but like, the power move was had the listenership at the end of the day. Like it just did. That's all there is to it. Is there a song that, like, as soon as you hear it, instantly reminds you? Many. Of the Power Move show, many, yeah? Many, like what? Many. For me, the Far Side Drop. Anytime I hear that song, I instantly think of yeah. I where know. I was Saturday afternoon hearing yeah. that for the first time. Um, one record that really, really stands out, and this is so random, but Boiling Point. Oh, Compromise. Yeah, that, that record stands out. I remember that day like clearly like it, like it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you want to talk about a Canadian record, that's definitely one that I remember clearly. Um, but with that, I remember so many things. Like, it was, it was more about, like, when, the, like, the Pete Rock album came out, like, the first Pete Rock album, like, playing the whole thing and just, like, the feeling of that, you know what I mean? Right, and right. The tribe stuff and, like, you know... Yeah, it's not even like specific stuff because it was just there was just so much like it's, it's just like yeah I mean there's so many of those records that I remember you know tons tons 
um, the create <laughs> the creator by Pete Rock and, and Smooth, like stuff like records like that. Like I don't even know why that comes to mind right now, but like remember that time the thing with people is it's not like now where like fifty DJs or seventy DJs or even twenty DJs would have these records. At that time only like two DJs would have the creator and the, you know what I'm saying? Like their hands on it and that early in the map. Like, you know what I'm saying? Before yeah. it's commercially available. Like, because he was getting, like, servicing from Electra way back. Like, the records was coming to the crib way back. Like, he was <laughs> the first one to echo this. Because from the DMCs, the DMC was at the DMC in New York. The credentials was all there. So, like, yo, you did your ex. Oh, you got a show. And then, I remember you was reporting a lot, too, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah. A lot of them international. He was like Bronski. So we see the same thing Bronski had when we did the Bronski and DTS? It was that link to, like, having an international thing. X had that too as a DJ too. I'm trying to think of something. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like right going and popping off, like going into labels. We go to New York trips and we, yo, even me and him, certain trips, I'm going to back, but need an apple bum. Like the, the tribe, we brought tribe back first, dude. Right. We can honestly tell you, we brought tribe back to Canada. I remember the day we brought the record, it was the car broke down. It was yeah, a crazy yeah. trip, man. We took, um, what we were, like kids. Record was not again. Like, it was crazy. Their first single. Um, the one at the El Segundo. No, no, no. <coughs> no, it's the Royer, yeah, it's Apple the Royer sample. Bonita Apple Boom, then. It's up-tempo. Bonita Apple Boom. I forget what it's called. It's Bonita. I'm supposed to remember this shit. But so many memories. It might be called Act a Fool. Anyways, oh yeah, that's, that's your right. It was yeah. the original, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's that's that real. It was the real, back. the real jump off. Yeah, we had yeah. we brought the promo back. Jungle Brothers, all those like records do like the crazy records. Do is bringing back the James. Do the James. We went to New York, brought that back. Do the James. There's so many, man. Like, like it's. it's we was doing that's almost a ridiculous right? question. Like there's just so many records, you know. The like boiling point. I mentioned that because Scam was part of our crew and like just you know. But that was that was cool to watch people respond to that, you know what I mean, and see scam and you know like just see people like enjoy that shit, you know, right, and right, have right. it be part of your crew where, that it, where it's happening, you know. That's what I mean? dope. That's but there's dope. so many f memories that like you know with records that like you know are just crazy, man. Like it's endless. Like uh, it, like every week there were those moments because the, those records were coming out every week. Like we were we were dropping shit every week and it was just like whoa yes, like man. it was like great like like yo that's crazy yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so that, um, that's that era man that era was crazy like that yeah I mean, you can't you can't talk like, about that era without talking about live at the barbecue yeah I mean <clears throat> even that record like that like the main source shit was just so heavy I was talking about the live at the barbecue jams oh. Yeah, well, I mean, before, like that's the, before the jams was the group, you know. Right, 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 right. right. And, um, that's funny. That's good. Yeah. Like, I actually have the very first copy of fucking Main Sources. Like, I'm looking at the front door, the test pressing of it. Actually, before even the fucking test pressing, it, it's like a white label. Those guys came straight from New York, actually, to the radio station that day and gave it to me. So I have the first main source record ever. Wow. They don't even have it. Because they gave it to me. <laughs> I remember talking to Kev, me him and Kev. Looking at the front door. Came up. Right. Me him and Kev was hanging, like that was the, was the three, like you know what I'm saying? Like it's crazy. I don't even know why. Like they didn't go somewhere in New York with that record that day. I got it, I don't even know how. 
That's I, awesome. Like it's weird that that even is the case. Maybe they pressed it here in Toronto. Maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe they didn't bring it. From, maybe they pressed it in Canada because it was cheaper. Or, I don't even know. I just know I have that first record. Looking at the front door. Yeah. Because hmm. Ken would always come through Toronto, be back and forth to New York. He'd come through Toronto for a bit, and he'd mix like in our circle of friends. You know what I'm saying? So you just come through, slide to the show sometimes. You never knew you'd see Kevin. And, and then we'd always be in New York too, every break too. So we'd go through, check him there, and then it's just that back and forth. I remember seeing, I remember seeing those guys perform. Like, that was a moment that blew my mind. Seeing Main Source perform at this club called Focus on, um, it was on a street off of, off of Young Street. And the guy who owned that place actually, um, is now one of the biggest nightclub like guys in the world. So he, um, his name's Charles. He went on to like own fucking the government and countless other shit. And you know he owns um, Rebel now. He owns Union. Like oh that like whole that. Yeah. that guy used to be in a smoky room in the office, man, dealing with fucking Ron. <laughs> like, smoking cigarettes and counting money and shit and I'd be in there fucking just because I was cool with Ron and hanging with Ron now that guy's like massive massive he owns condos and he's developing buildings and like all kinds of shit but anyways forget that because that, that doesn't even matter Main Source performed and I remember they blew our fucking mind literally blew our minds performing the two DJs right. and Paul that shit was fucking sick and they were like Razor sharp, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they're not fucking like that anymore. I don't care what, like, they did SOBs. I saw the fucking video. I was like, man, you guys are fucking tired right now. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> back then, fuck, that shit was so fucking. Oh, first they were like, the energy of it. Shit was so sick. Like, sick. Yeah. Like, just fucking crazy shit. And I don't know whether it was because we were into them or whatever, but, like, I just that sticks out of my mind. So then, obviously, you guys do the live at the barbecue jam. Yeah. Talk about like the first one, man. Um. Well, the yeah. I mean, it's weird because like I guess you know the reason I did it was because I saw what Ron did. Like I was a part of what Ron was doing. Like he was promoting stuff, and it, I was like, shit, I should probably do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. He like basically had created a legacy of bringing you know artists from New York and doing shows and stuff like that and so when I was like you know what I should probably do that I said to myself like how am I going to be different from what Ron was doing and my answer to that was to to feature local artists right like right. people from Canada and from Toronto specifically from Toronto because I wasn't really doing people from other places but well that's not true but we'll get to that afterwards anyways that, like, the concept was a showcase of of Toronto's underground hip-hop scene. And that was, like, the concept. And so I did the first one at the Rivoli, and it was a crazy success. But, like, I don't know if I really expected that. Like, it that kind of blew our minds, too, because, like, it just turned into this thing that wasn't was that, wasn't super, that when there was, that like was super crazy a TTC strike and it was still lying around the corner man, I don't and know Ben Johnson won the gold medal it was like one of those crazy nights Ben Johnson won the, it was that Friday night man all I know and Ben is, won and it was, it was just crazy so crazy man like just like wall to wall and like people standing on tables and like just people stuck outside that couldn't get in and like there was a cloud of like mist 
in the party. <laughs> like, seriously. A quarter of the room down. That's how crazy it is. And people have pictures of it. I think the front of the cold front, a couple of records, they took pictures of it. And you see that mist just from, like, just the people, with the energy. That's, like, it's crazy. Yeah. But. That was, that yeah. was a moment, man. And it was just, it was just super crazy, man. It was just super crazy. That's when, like, Ghetto Concept got together. That's when Kiss dropped the ill round with Monica Dio. He had the freestyle. It just, things got spun off that night. So damn large style. If Monica Dio or something like that. Like, some crazy, like, the rhymes was just like, oh. Yeah, the cool thing. tricks kind of came together there that night. The cool thing was, like, everybody took to it. Yeah, everybody just jumped on it. Like, everybody, like, you know, like, everybody was a part of it, man. That's what made it really cool. Right. Like, you throw these things and you wonder, like, is anybody going to come? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, like, everybody's there. Right, and right. They're, and they're fucking, and, and, so. and they're, like, they're into it. You know what I mean? And everybody's freestyling and, like, everything you want to happen, happens. Dude. Or anything you dream about, like, happens. How many did you guys do, all to, like, all together? I don't even remember, man. No? I don't even remember. Lots of them. The first three or lots of like them. The the last one was what? Two originally, then two they started doing Mecca ones, and then you had the anniversary the, one. Yeah, I mean, the, re the very last one that I did was 2008. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but it started in, in like the early 90s, like 91. How'd you get into production? Oh, you know what? I should say one more thing about that. I actually stopped doing Live at the Barbecue around, like I want to say, like 1998, because it, to me it wasn't cool anymore. I remember I did one at Lee's Palace. And I was like, this is fucking, this is whack. I'm fucking never doing this again. Really, eh? Yeah. It, it wasn't cool anymore, man. It was bullshit. I was sta I'm standing in the room going, this is fucking whack. And, and, I, and I stopped it. And then I did the reunion ten, 10 years later, which was 2008. Right. It lost that, that energy, that, that thing. That heightened, like, like, things have to have a thing. <laughs> right, right, right. If they don't have right. the thing. People like play things out all the time. That's something I, I can't stand, man. I can't yeah. stand when people are like dragging. Especially when it's hip hop back then. Like hip hop was so serious, man. Like it yeah. was like it was religion, like culture, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when it starts to drag, just stop, man. Just yeah. fucking stop, please. So yeah, like I said, how'd you get into production? Um, just it was a natural natural, natural progression from DJing like you DJ you want to make records and um, I just started to buy equipment and I bought an SB1200 which Thrust was there that day um, I can't even remember who the hell I bought it from but I think they brought it to like concert hall for me to get and I and, like I got it from there I, I feel like you lent me money to buy it too yeah, you remember that? Remember, I don't remember even that. think I had enough money to buy the damn we thing. And this guy it. fucking pitched in, and like, the person brought it to concert hall, and like, it was such a weird place to get it. But I was like so happy to even get it. And then like, I was at the time living in in his house, um, that his dad owned, and like, we were just in there fucking with that machine, machine like crazy, like crazy. just like. like just like hours, killing hours, that machine man. Man. like it's so crazy because that machine has like 10 seconds of sampling time and it's not even 10 seconds in total it's like 2.5 seconds per pad and like <laughs> right you know what i mean like so you can only take 2.5 seconds at a time so if you wanted to take like a long loop you have to take like 
pieces of it and then play it together. Like it was, anyways, whatever. Like that's kind of where my production thing started, and I just started to make beats. Like, who'd you do beats for? Like, who's my, my friends? <laughs> no, but I mean, like, who's like some of the people? Like, I know you do shit for Bishop. I know you do. I've shit. done shit for you. Know, many, many, you know what I always remember the most, and I have a link with them from that day. And those MVP days with Wyo and Corey. Yeah, that was cool, man. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I made beats like, for, uh, for many Earth, people. Earth and yeah, like, all that. But problems. yeah, a lot of shit for Thrust. Um, a lot of shit for MVP, which, like, you know, YOK. Um, fuck, Mishy, Dream Warriors, um, Howie T. Um, I did I, I did a full album for Danielle. I don't even know what happened to that. But I did a literally a full album, maybe even almost two albums for him. Um I did I did tons, man. I can't I can't even remember all of it. <laughs> like randoms too, a bunch of randoms all Devious yeah. styles. Like just random shit, like random people that I don't even remember. Like yeah, just yeah, the, the Devious Styles stuff. What's funny about that Devious Styles record is when we used to do the radio show, we would go into the library, and that was in the library. Right, right. And it was like it was an ongoing joke with that record. Yeah. But then you know, you know, full circle. I don't know how many ever years later it was when I got all the CKLN records. Yeah. It was in there. Right, right, right. So I own that said copy. Right. right? It was you a, know, it's yeah. funny. Like I'll tell you, that was an interesting time too, and an interesting project because. That was the first project that I actually got paid for. Right. So the guy's dad was fucking funding his shit. And he would pay for the guy to go in the studio and pay us for the beats. And that was actually a good experience. He was horrible. <laughs> I still talk to him, by the way. He was, Do you? He, yeah. lives in, he lives in London, England. He was horrible. I think everybody thought he was horrible. But he was such a good guy, man. And like, what had happened was he'd gotten in a really bad accident. Um, and like he had some brain damage and his oh, okay. father was just trying to make his make life good, good, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like oh, his father right. just wanted yeah. him to have a good life, man. And, and this is what he life. wanted to do. And so we just did it, man. And like, you know, it was fun, man. It was fun. Like it was, it was a whack, it, like he was whack. Like it was a whack project, but it was fun doing it. Right. And even when I listen back to the, some, some of the shit that I gave him, there's like, one or two of those beats are fucking crazy. I don't care what anybody <laughs> yeah, tells me. Like, I'll pull that out right now. Like if you have it, pull it out. I'll show you the hot shit because there's some shit in there that's you crazy. know I Cyclone, Cyclone Cyclone did some hot shit right, on that yeah, record yeah, too. Into, yeah. There's some crazy stuff on that record. Um, but yeah, he, he was. What's the favorite? What's your What's your favorite thing that you've ever produced? Um, probably the Nasty Howie record. Too yeah. Much, too much anything will make you an addict. I, I really like that. Um, I, re I really like Sunlight by Wild Kid. Yeah. Um, and um, I like Cover Girl that I did Mishy. from Mishy, which is actually a remix. Um, um, I like the Kate, the first KGB shit that I did. Um, which a lot of it, like, it never even came out. Well, that yeah, my stuff never even came out. But there was, there was some fucking, like, I did some 
blazing fucking shit. Like, that shit, that shit ever came out, like, it was just, it honestly, it was just stupid, man. We were up in the lecture, man. We were in meetings and shit, dude. It was about, dude, I don't want to hear, like, I can't talk about it. We'll just do that later, talk about that later, the files come out, but. Yeah. Yo, that. That's for the Thrust interview, yeah. Yeah, that, that's hot. I know he, he probably has it too. I think he has it. He Damn, won't it I, I hit him years him. ago and asked him for it. And he he, he tends to talk like two or three times a year, yeah, not like every day. Give it up. I know he has it. I don't have it. Not me. I don't have it. I know who has it. Ron has it. Ron has the master. Yeah, he does. He does. Ron has it. He does. I should get Ron. Ron's coming in. That shit's hot though, but it never came up, so it doesn't even matter. Nobody's going to care because they haven't heard it. All right, let's talk about, like, I guess, obviously the big thing would be, like, you ending power moving going to flow yeah because people don't know man we didn't even have an urban station what year was flow that, that flow came here like 2000 2000 and you were there from day one day one right right so you end power I was moving. there before they were on the air <laughs> right i was in the meetings leading up to it and so, you know what i wasn't even gonna i wasn't even gonna apply farley flex made me apply okay yeah. He heard I, he's like, did you put yourself in? I'm like, no. He's like, what the fuck? what's wrong with you, man? I'm like, I don't know, man. Cause I was very caught up in like, like back then, like you got to realize like things are different back then. Like CKLN and the power move was like, it was under, like it was underground hip hop. It was, and it was weird to like go from there to like into something that was really commercial radio, you know what I mean? Where you couldn't even play the shit that you've been playing for the last decade. Like I couldn't go there and play. Yeah, I couldn't go there and play leaders of the new school or tribe or like any of that. Right. Like, yeah. The program director was like only big records, only big records. And now I understand why she said all that, you know what I mean? Because that was a different, completely different business. format. At the time, I was fighting against it, you know? Yeah? But yeah, yeah, it was, it was weird, man. But here's the thing. I knew my time was done at the power move. I was dragging. <laughs> okay. You feel me? I didn't have that thing anymore. It was long done. Right, right, right. It was done years ago. And in a lot of ways, the music was done years ago. So when Puff came along, he ruined it. <laughs> like it was over after Puff was finished with it. Like the music went commercial after that. Then came Jay-Z and 50 Cent and Beyonce and fucking, it just went AWOL, went nuts. Like, so that underground wave was over. Yeah, but what about music up here though? Music up here was getting noticeably better at that time. No? I mean, music gets better every day, but I'm talking about that wave of underground hip hop right. that created the billion dollar shit that you hear today like around 98 of uh, the underground stuff it was done it was right, over it was right. every like the people were now focusing on the commercial stuff it was all shifting yeah and people didn't care anymore about underground hip hop they cared about puff and and, and, clubs, and and biggie the and, bad boy and, and as wicked as biggie record. is he was making commercial records mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and then came Jay Z and like like I said, then yeah, came yeah, Beyonce, yeah. Fifty Cent, like all like that shit just that whole sunshine. It yeah. just literally shifted everything. Yeah, but that's a, that's around the same time you're going into flow though. It is, it is, it is, and like you know, honestly, like I'm not saying like you know, some people are gonna listen to this and be like, what are you, what are you talking about? Of course, there was underground stuff still back then that was good. Yes, but I'm saying like 
the focus and like just things were shifting. Right. I don't care how you fucking look at it. Things are shifting at that point now. And I'm done. I'm long done. I'm dry now. I shouldn't be on the power move anymore. My time's done. Somebody needs to take that and, you know, run with that has the thing and run with it. So I got to make a move now. And flow came at a good time for that because I was overdue and like I needed to move into that. And, and so flow came and it was actually a pretty good move. Um, and so, but flow to me was a mess. Like, so leaving the power move was cool. I remember the, the very last day, like during the last show, that was, that it was a, such a good feeling, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was like running a race and like get coming to the finish line and like being able to stop and sit down and breathe and like drink a Gatorade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. how I felt, man. And I felt good. Like I felt like I really put in like my, like a good effort. You know what I mean? Like I felt good about what I did. Yeah. You didn't overdo it. You didn't yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, I just, not even overdoing it. I just felt good. Like I was just like, you know what? Like if you die tomorrow, like, you know that you put in like a hundred percent. Like I put in 200%. Sure. And so I felt good. And then I went to flow and flow was a mess. Is that why you went to kiss out? Like a mess. Yeah, basically. Well and because they just like by then like Like how how long were you at Flow for? A year. A year. Yeah. And then you went over to Kiss. Yeah. And Flow was a mess because basically there were so many heads like so many heads trying to figure out how, what flow was supposed to be. Like Toronto gets very, or maybe it's not even Toronto, maybe it's the world in general, gets very caught up in how things are supposed to be. And so you had people like myself coming into flow that only had underground radio experience coming into a commercial radio environment and thinking things are supposed to be like, commercial. like that. You know uh, what I mean? And then you got the program director who's from the States who understands commercial radio and like, you know, as a business, which it is, it's a business. And they're coming in with their own, you know, perception of how it's supposed to be. And then you've got all the investors like Denim Jolly and all these other people, you know, and they, they have their idea about how it's supposed to be. And you've got the listeners <laughs> who don't, and never had a commercial radio station. They don't know how it's supposed to be either. So, and there's all this, like just all this crap going on man like people i hate this i don't like that like this is bullshit like we thought it was gonna be like I, hot 97 was coming yeah Toronto, exactly you know what right? I mean? like, but yeah. Be, but that's because that's all anybody knows right and they don't even know that because they're no, here in toronto but a lot they, of people didn't know that though that's they, the thing, right? well yeah. yeah i mean nobody yeah i mean they've never been exposed to it they don't know so honestly man it just felt very messy um and um, so yeah, I was there for a year and um, then Kiss called me one day and um, they were like, look, like, come over, we'll teach you how to do it properly, which was the other thing, we never got ch any training really. Okay. You know what I mean? Not in the way that like, I know it now, like, like I said, after going to Kiss, like, like they, if you're talking about commercial radio, there's a way to do things, and they knew exactly how to do it, and like, so <clears throat> they were like, "Come over, we'll we'll train you properly, we'll buy you a studio, we'll give you your own show," because I was with Jay Wise at the, at the time. 
Right. They're like, you know, we have a way stronger signal. Um, we'll pay you way more money. Like everything you can imagine. You know what I mean? We'll buy you any piece of equipment you want. Like we want you to just come over, be really comfortable. We'll, oh, we'll blow you out too. We'll, you'll have life-size posters in places. You'll like, we'll put commercials on the radio for a month before you even get on the radio. Like you're going to be our star. And I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, let's do this. So how long were you at Kiss for? Because I'm at commercial radio now and like, I might as well just be at the epitome of commercial radio, which Kiss was, you know what I mean? Right. So, that's how I looked at it. And you were there for how Horrible long? Horrible mistake, though. Was it? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Why did you say that? Because they flipped and turned into Jack FM a year later. Right. And what, you had some kind of... I could have stayed at Flow for the next 10 years. Okay, fair enough. So it was a dumb move. Well, actually, it was a good move, but the time, like, it just didn't work out. And that's how life goes sometimes, you know what I mean? Not everything works out. And then I got really pissed and decided, fuck radio. I'm, I'm, I'm never doing radio again. But you're back. Which, now. that was a dumb mistake, too, because I should have just jumped back on the radio. I should have went to flow with my tail between my legs and been like, you know what? I, I need to be on the radio. Yeah. Right. I mean, hey, fuck, at least you're big enough to admit that, man. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You look oh, back and you think, yeah. you know. I mean, I just think I'm good at radio. Like, I should have been on the radio, like, all that time. But you're back, you have, you're doing... I am on the radio now, years later, which is so weird. You know what I mean? Doing something completely different than I, I've ever done. But I am there. Yeah? What do you, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, um, I'm doing five-minute mashup mixes, like mega mixes, for, for 93.5. So they have this concept called Mashup Mondays. And um, I do five-minute mixes. They're on every half an hour, so twice an hour, basically. Okay. All day Monday, and then four times the rest of, like, four times a day the rest of the week, basically. Um, yeah. That's dope. All right, so after you got out of radio, then what did you do? Um, I started a, a consulting business, which... It strangely enough morphed into something completely different, but I started a business which was like a flip on the, the management model. So I was like, after all these years of being in the business, I have all these connections and all these things that I know and people that I know. And I'm going to start a business where artists will basically pay me to package them and walk them indoors so if they want to meet this person or that person or, or they want to figure out where to record their demo or like how to put this together put that together they pay me and I'll and I'll like orchestrate all that for them and at the time <clears throat> people were only really interested in digital so like websites and like stuff like that because that was the next wave that was happening like technology right. and the internet and all that stuff right so it kind of morphed into me doing that for people as opposed to this like helping them with the music business do you and still so and so my company basically morphed into an interactive marketing company which is what it is now okay yeah but you still but dj like every weekend i do yeah there was a long transition like it's weird like that was actually that was actually like a crazy time in my life so like you know, I was like, I'm not doing radio anymore. 
and what am I going to do? Like, that's all I know. Like, that, that's all I've been doing, like, my whole Probably entire life. Day, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, grade seven. Like, right. I don't even know who I am if I don't do that. Mm -hmm. You know? So there was, like, literally a period, like, of five years or whatever where, like, I had to teach myself new skills and, and figure out who I was and, like, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. So, so that was crazy. Um, but yeah, like I did that and, and, um, eventually everything started to work out and it just kind of morphed into what it is now, you know? Right. But yeah, I DJ all the time, man, like two, three times a week. I'll always be a DJ. Like that's in my blood. Like even before the radio, like I said, I never even wanted to talk on the radio, you know? I, right. just, I just love music and I love to play it and um, so I'm, I'm a real DJ at heart and I still DJ I love DJing if the, if the, if the like right situation presented itself would you go back to radio? I mean I'm on the radio now I, I could like massage that and, and be talking and be hosting in no time I'm sure right um, would I? Um, I guess if the right Thing presented itself but what is the right thing right I feel like radio announcers are puppets and I'm sorry like you know some of my best friends are, are radio announcers like mastermind for example but I just I feel sorry for them because it's um I don't know just coming from what we came from like growing up on the radio but having, I mean, having, having the freedom to like do whatever we want and talk about whatever we want and it actually being interesting I just feel like radio host now like but I know you I know you listen to other like you listen to Sirius Satellite and everything else I listen to everything I know I know yeah, you I still I actually everything. still love radio like like there's things about it so what do you really think love. what do you think is next for radio man um well I mean I think radio is going to keep existing uh, yeah yeah um and I don't know if there's any next for it Mm -hmm. um, I think we we're living in a day and age where we already have the next. We already have everything, basically. If and maybe I might have to explain that better, but I just feel like um, radio is what it is. It's audio, right? Um, the next level of that is like video, right? Yeah. Um, which is television. So it's like there's all, there's a ceiling with regards to radio, um, and. I think what will change that is um, autonomous cars, like cars driving themselves, where people don't have to be holding the wheel and stuff like that. Then you'll get internet in the cars, and you'll get TVs, and like you know, then things will branch out a little bit more because um, things will be a lot more accessible. Like I know we have phones and we can right. connect them Bluetooth through our cars, but I just think you know data's got to change too because you know you're, you're oh, killing your data yeah. and mm -hmm. stuff like that so when, when those things change like then it'll be more accessible and you'll be able to get, you'll be able to get online sure. radio and cars and like not worry about streaming data yes. and all of those types of things and so it'll it'll broaden you'll like you'll have you're just gonna have way more of all of it mm -hmm. you know but in terms of like you know the next thing for radio i i don't think i think it's hit a ceiling to be honest with you like I don't. I don't think there is anything um, beautiful that's going to happen with radio. Mm -hmm. You know, there's technology that's going to come along and maybe make it sound better and like, you know, be more accessible and and things like that. But I kind of think that it is what it is. To be honest with you, um, it it could become interactive though. 
um, if you want a prediction. Like it could be that um, you can somehow interact with the radio, um, which is probably going to happen in in many ways with many things. So right, things right, will right, become right. more interactive, so you'll yeah. be able to, you know, fast forward the commercials, and you'll be able to. Like some, you'll somehow. be able to be the radio yeah, station. Yeah, you'll be able to communicate yeah. with the radio station on a higher level somehow. You know, yeah, what I mean? that will crazy. enable you to yeah, customize yeah. it in a way mm-hmm. that like fits you, you know, that you. fits you and suits you, and, and so on and so forth. All right, man. Anything else, man? Or what, man? I mean, so much. I know we could we honestly could tell stories from yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Because I mean, you've told me off oh, like stories carrying. Chuck D carrying stuff. Uh, yeah. Ice T falling us back to Toronto on the highway. That was just yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. We left Kitchener in the highway. Ice T falling was down like I don't know the four or something. I can't remember. It was one of those Kitchener. It was from Kitchener, dude. That was the craziest thing ever, dude. Yo, you know how to get to Toronto, man? Out the window, we just in the ride. Didn't know where we were. Yeah, just follow me, man, dude. Yeah. Stories, stories. But yeah. we'll get them out. We have to revisit things and. Get this guy back in and have to do sections of stuff out. You know, it's hard, it's man. Hard, these, man. These things are hard because it's just like there's there's so much. You'll have to come back when I do the thrust interview. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. All right. That sounds like a plan. Yeah. All right, yo. Views before the six. It's another one, man. In the bag, man. Yo, DJ X, man. Thank you very Woo! much. It's a pleasure. Anytime, man. Thanks for having me. All right, me, yo. We're out of here. Great conversation right here. <laughs>